It's good to see everybody here this morning, and I'm sure they're correcting the microphone as I speak. All right. If you guys would find a seat, we're going to jump right in. Man, God has been good, hasn't he? You know, I I love those songs, and if you notice that it had a theme about the blood of God, the blood of what Jesus did for us on the cross. You know, this morning we're going to continue with that theme. You know, Easter was last week, and if you weren't here, you know that I preached the message, He did it for me. Even though He had heaven, He had everything, uh, still it wasn't enough. It would never be enough until He had again made a way for us to have a relationship with Him. I am just so glad that you're here this morning. I I just want to kind of uh, uh, ask you a question. How many people remember what you ate last Thursday? Yeah. How many people remember what I preached a month ago? (laughs) See, a lot of you are thinking it's because of your age you can't remember. But let me tell you, just because you don't remember what you ate physically, you know, the... Hungarian goulash, whatever. Again, it it nourished your body at that time, and and it's the same thing with the Word of God. I I want to challenge you to make yourself as faithful as possible to the house of God, because that's where the truth is presented. That's where encouragement is given. Uh, And and there's something about our brains. I I believe they call it the reticular activating system, which uh, I call it the black truck syndrome. And that is, nobody has a black truck until John Miller buys a black truck. And then I notice, everybody, is this kind of, Christian, can you fix this a little bit? Or Lisa, can you help that? Just give me your opinion on if it's working or not. Because up here it sounds a little tinty. Is that a word? Anyway. So, making yourself faithful to the house of God, you know, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. Faith doesn't come by I heard, just heard. It's a constant process. And it's amazing how, you know, in this morning at 9.30, we have a Christian education, about 45 minutes. And this morning we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and how to be directed and just the things of the Holy Spirit. Powerful teaching. And it's not that you haven't heard it before, maybe. Maybe some say, man, I I never heard about that, that subject to the Word of God. But it's something that, again, when we hear it, there's something in our brain that begins to be activated that we apply it to our life. We all want to not be just hearers of the Word of God, but doers of the Word of God. So in order to do, we need to hear. In order to hear, we have to make ourselves present. So so I just want to encourage you. Some great teaching at 9.30 and then uh, at, uh, I believe that it's kind of a, a priming, a, 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 a getting ready for this hour. And uh, so so I just want to encourage you to do that. You know, uh, we have different things like fellowships that we go to, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do maybe a, a time where our church will, uh, I think someone came up with the uh, the restaurant roulette, where where we kind of take it out of a hat, people and groups of couples that will go out to eat together, and this group will go this way and this way. That, that's all great. You know, tonight we'll have our annual business meeting at 6 o'clock. That's great. But, but when we hear the Word of God, things go off on the inside, and, and a lot of times it reminds us of who we are in our identity. The world that we live in is always attacking us of who we are. So I want to encourage you, again, as we start this this process after Easter, that we're reminded of how much God loves us, 
to again just be faithful to the house of God. Let's open in prayer. Father, God, we're so thankful for your blood and God, what you have done for us. And God, I just open up our hearts today. God, John Miller's heart. Father, I, I do some examination of the inside, of things that are inside that, God, I just ask that I would be able to clear that stuff out so that I would be able to hear, God, your Holy Spirit speak. And Father, I I just ask you to speak individually to people that are here today. Customize this message just for them, what they're going through. Allow your Holy Spirit to be able to speak to them in a special way. In your wonderful name, God, we pray your name. Amen. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I want us to read, starting off in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. You know, last week I talked about how uh, Jesus is our older brother. And and this is the passage that talks about that and and how he actually calls us family. And, And it says this in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, It makes good sense that God who got everything started and keeps keeps everything going now completes the work by making the salvation pioneer perfect through suffering as he leads all these people to glory, since the one who saves and those who are saved have a common origin, Jesus and us, Jesus doesn't hesitate to treat them as family, saying, I'll tell my good friends, my brothers and sisters, all I know about you, I'll join them in worship and praise to you. Again, he puts himself in the same family circle when he says, even I live by placing my trust in God. And yet again, I'm here with the children God gave me. Now, now I want you to see this next section because it's really what I'm going to build today's message on. It says, since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by His death. By embracing death, taking it into Himself, He destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cover through life, scared to death of death. Did you get that? By the look on your face, I'm going to read it again. All right, here it goes. He destroys the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. See, a lot of times we, we say, you know, I don't know what the future holds. Even the, the, the person that has been raised in church that says, you know, I have a belief in eternity. There, there's some people that will say that, but they'll be scared of what happens after death. It continues and it says, it's obvious, of course, course that he didn't go to all this trouble for angels. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as a high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. This morning, I want you to understand that what you cannot see with your eye can be more powerful than what we can see in the physical realm. We know that works in our faith. Faith is being sure of the things we hope for, certain of the things we do not see. Even though that we do not see it, taste it, touch it, and feel it. it. It's not what people say is tangible or concrete, that we're believing for that by faith. 
But this morning, I want you to see things that have happened throughout history. You can be walking a line and being successful, and there can be a, just one cell cancer, cancer of cell, or a cell of cancer in your body that can spread to the point of taking you down. It is something that is unseen, but it is very powerful. I, I studied this morning, or this, this week, in, in the course of history, there's been several great epidemics or plagues that have happened throughout the world. Two of the, the most severe plagues that have hit mankind have been in the year 500 and some uh, A.D. and then 1300 and some A.D. What, what, what they tell me is in one, 25 million people died. In the other one, the blue bonnet, I want to say the blue bonnet plague, but it's not that. It's blue bonnet plague, over 50 million people died. Now, one of the greatest Disasters in mankind was World War II, where only 17 million people died only, compared to the 15 mil, 50 million that died during those plagues. Now you say, how in the world could that happen when people were actually trying to kill other people? The tanks were rolling, the machine guns were shooting, the Holocaust, the Holocaust was happening, all the different things that was, disa- I mean, just crazy evil. And then something that was unseen as a plague, uh, an illness, spread further and faster and killed more people. How is that possible? Even to the the extent in Europe during the bubonic plague that one out of every five people died of a plague that was unseen with your eye. Some. Sometimes you don't think yourself as a fighter. You might say, you know, you hear somebody say, well, I'm a lover, not a fighter. But let me tell you, I don't care if you're a lover or a fighter. There is something built on the inside of each human body that is a fighting system. And it's pretty amazing how people will say, you know, I don't know if I believe in God. You know, some of the celebrities that say that, I've saw the list of them and and there's like um, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt and Angelie Jolie and how many people that they've probably influenced. But if you hear their quotes, they'll say stuff like, I never see any concrete evidence. I don't see anything of physical, and they just don't really get, they don't understand the whole process. They, they don't understand how the love of God is working by faith and not by sight. And because they don't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, they say it doesn't exist. God exists, I'm telling you today. But this fighting system, the infection that comes into our body, and the fighting system is called the blood. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go somewhere, but just stick with me for a few minutes and I'm going to explain this and set this up. The fighting system is called the blood because they tell me that the white and the red blood cells that are in our bodies, the white blood cells, are the fighters. And we have, each one of us have up to 25 billion at any given time that go into effect to be able to fight against infections that come into our body. The three kinds of white cells are the T cells that help produce more cells. The B cells are the antibiotics. And I love this one. It's called the NK cells. They're white. But I started wondering, what was the NK cells? Is it some kind of big scientific medical you know, word that I can't pronounce? And when I looked it up, it's natural killers. Talk about fighters. You might have some 
powerful name, but I don't know if there's any powerful fighter name called the natural killer. And these white blood cells, every day go on a seek and destroy mission to find viruses and sicknesses in the body and defeat them as quick as possible. Now, now here's what's amazing is the, the more that you study this, anytime an infection, uh, an infection or an illness comes into your body, those 25 billion white cells go into a process of attacking and destroying that. But if there's something that is severe that comes into our bodies that those 25 billion cannot, the body has a, a communication system that they can call in reserves. You know, kind of like the military has reserves. They can call up the reserves of another 25 billion white cells just waiting at a minute's notice to come and attack that virus. You're sitting there this morning going, well, I didn't even know I had that many virus fighters in my body. You do? But here's what's even... You want to hear something even more remarkable? They tell me that any time that you have an illness that comes into your body that 50 billion white cells cannot defeat, the communication system of the body goes into effect and it sends a message to the lymph nodes that gives a message to the bone marrow that begins almost like a factory producing white cells. Boom, 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 boom. Now, it's not 25, it's not 50 billion more, but up to 500 billion more blood cells can be created to come and fight that virus. Let me tell you, inside your body is a fighting mechanism, the natural killers, the white blood cells, that it attack and attack and attack. It's kind of shock and awe. They swarm and they destroy the virus, the antagonists that come into your body. The lifespan of a white blood cell can be up to six hours. It was just created and it will give its life, so to speak, for your health. But there are white blood cells in your body that was there when you were born and will be there even if you live to be a hundred years old. It's amazing how the body works. If you're vaccinated as a child, how many people have ever been injected as a child with the, the inoculation? Huh? Do you remember that? I, for me, it was in, it kind of kind of felt like, you know, looking back on it, it's how strange all of us elementary kids in a cafeteria lined up. Next, Japan, man, what was that? Did anybody ever remember? Did you? Maybe you didn't do that. I think now you can go down to Walgreens, go to, you know, the guy on the street quarter? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you can get what is called an immune immunization because of that vaccination in your blood. What's so amazing about the blood is the blood remembers. Can you say that with me? The blood remembers. Say it one more time. The blood remembers. When you're vaccinated with just a little bit of the virus, here's what's so amazing that I didn't even, you know, when you're thinking about how it seems so crazy to have somebody inject the virus that you go, I don't want polio. I don't want chicken pox. I don't want, you know, uh, hepatitis. 
I, I don't want those things. But if they put those in a, a, a vaccination and it's just a little bit of the virus, they inject that into the body. And sometimes the person, I don't know if I want to call them the victim, but the person that gets the shot can even feel some of a somewhat of a soreness in their body for a, just a couple of hours or maybe maybe even a day where they feel kind of low. But after that, they recover. And the blood will remember, the blood will code that, fingerprint it, so to speak, and remember that. And any time that those sicknesses are in the contagious stage, you know, when you run into somebody that might have one of those, that the blood, it, as it enters into your body, your blood remembers and goes, oh, we've already defeated you. And they will swarm around that virus cell that comes into your body that is trying to beat you down, trying to kill you, and it'll swarm around you and kill that before it even takes hold. You are immune to what has been thrown against you. In John's gospel, he says a lot of things, and then as he matures in God, you can just see, wow, in Revelations, and how he's having this... A revelation of the coming times. And in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it talks about this. It says, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heaven, It has happened at last. God's salvation and the power and the rule and the authority of Christ has, is finally here. For the accuser of our, our brothers had been thrown down from heaven onto earth. He accused them day and night before our God. Did anybody ever feel like he's accusing you, the enemy, Satan, the devil, day and night? I think I'm the only one holding my hand. Okay, Jim, I see that. Okay, I do. But here's the good news. In Revelation 12, verse 11, if you're taking notes, you need to write that down and stand on that. It says, they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. How in the world could you defeat the enemy when he's accusing you day and night before God? It says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the power of their testimony. The power of the testimony reminds you of what God has already done for you in the past. And if, if, if you're not careful, as I said before, a short pencil is better than even a long memory because we forget stuff. But the power of your testimony is you, you begin to write it down. You begin to say, God, you've been good to me. And about the time that you're, you know, you kind of think, man, I, I thought I was a little taller and the, the, you know, the pressure of life is getting, getting you lower and lower. And all of a sudden you begin to think back on the goodness of God and that testimony inside of you begins to build. Why can we do that? We can't do it on our own. It's because of what God has done for us through the blood of His Son. There is no other religion on the face of the earth can say that about the blood of their God. Buddha, it's not his blood. Muhammad, it's not his blood. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, when, when, you, when you think about an illness, and they, they say that the scientist, and maybe you've seen it on you know, a TV show, where they, they put just a little bit of that, 
that those cells of that disease on a, a, a little slide. And it's a little glass slide. And uh, they, they put it under a microscope and they can look at it and they see how it's acting and how they, they, they will see that and study how it will attack human tissue. And, and they go, okay, we've got to find a cure. And, and how scientists over the course of history have given their life and they're trying all kinds of things of how to defeat that, that illness and that virus and that sickness. And, and they'll, they'll do different things. And some, like I said, will spend their whole life doing it and never find a cure. And, and you know, just in, the, in this sermon, I begin to think of how frustrating that must be for scientists and doctors to do that. And, and I wonder if they ever get to the point where they just are so frustrated that they say to themselves, I wonder if I could, if I could just shrink myself down you know, microscopic and get into that and be able to fight that illness in, in a different way than just treating it and from a different realm. And, and really, when you think about it, come on now. That's what our Lord and Savior did. Here He is and He's looking from the throne room of heaven and, and He says, they have an illness. There is a virus that sin has come into the world. And the Alpha and the Omega, the creator of the universe, since I'll go. As we read this morning, the, the first part of Hebrews and how Jesus is saying, I will go and finish this task. I will, I will give myself for them. The Bible says that the captain of our salvation has come to earth and has died for us to make it possible. And, and through the temptations, as we read, as Jesus starts his ministry and he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and he's fasted and, he, and the enemy comes upon him and the three temptations, that are, they're all there in the, the, the temptations of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And, and all of them are common into us. I mean, we're, we're all really, we realize what was going on because those are temptations that come into our life. But our Lord and Savior defeated everyone. And you know how he did it? By saying, it is written. Again, it is so important to know the Word of God. Because until we know the Word of God, we can't get a word from God. Because what you'll do is you'll always doubt it. You'll always say, oh, I don't know. if that." But if you know the Word of God, God uses through the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And the Bible says that Jesus defeats the enemy through these temptations. And I believe as he defeats them, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, now for us that are believers, he has made a way of escape. Have you ever thought that every time you're in temptation, the Bible says that you have a way of escaping? That, that it, what you're going through is, is common to every man? I mean, common to all of us. How, how can we escape? It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's what He's done on the cross for us. Now you might be here and you might say, Pastor, I, I, I fall into those temptations. I, I mess up constantly. But I want you to understand, it's through the message of Jesus Christ that the blood of Jesus also forgives us of our sins to say, come on. The Bible says that after He defeats the temptations, it's, it's almost like his blood begins to remember. I've already defeated that. I've already defeated that. That's already come upon me, and I've defeated it as the Son of God. 
And all of a sudden, the blood just begins to try out those things. And, and all of a sudden, he, he overcomes sickness. Have you ever noticed that right after, after the temptations and after he gets into his ministry, how amazing the healings are? You know, as well as me, he gets in a situation where he's healing blinded eyes. People that were born blind, that had never happened before where someone healed, was healed. Jesus' blood heals that, that blindness. We, we know that there are people that are in infirmity for 38 years lying at the pool of Bethesda, and he says, get up. And the guy takes his mat and goes home. We know a lady has an issue of blood and it's amazing how the power of the blood of Jesus is working on this earth because the Bible says that she had an issue for years and she'd spent all her money, gone to all the doctors, and she thought, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, a point of contact of just having faith in believing. And the Bible says that she's immediately healed. But do you ever notice that Jesus said, who touched me? And they say, how in the world will we know? You know, disciples, there's all these people. It's a group. It's a parade. It's a mob. I don't know. They're all touching you. How would we know? But Jesus keeps looking because he says, dunama, which is power. You know, we get that word dynamite out of that word. He says, power has left my body. The blood of Jesus had healed this lady. And he was saying, I realized something just happened. Something that was in the unseen has just stepped into the realm of being seen and I want to know who it was that just bumped into me or touched the hem of And she says, it was me. But here's what's amazing. Is as the blood began to, to, you begin to experience through Jesus' ministry sickness after sickness being healed and infirmity and people that were crippled and, and people that had no hope and they're bringing all their sick people to Him and everyone gets healed. Boom, 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 boom. Then all of a sudden the blood goes into a whole other realm. It's so amazing that there's a, a story of a, a widow from Nain and she has her son and he's died. Now, now, just stop with me and think th this is a funeral procession and, and the boy is on a gurney, he's on a stretcher, whatever you want to call it. They're going to the, the, the gravesite. They're going to bury him. And the Bible says that Jesus, he's not real good at funerals, you know. You might not like funerals, but he, he, he wasn't real good at funerals. I mean, as far as sitting through a funeral, have you noticed? When he showed up, everything happened different than what they was ex expected. Ooh, I, hmm. and the Bible says that they're going through, and here comes Jesus, and he looks at this young man that's on the gurney and, and just like maybe some of you have thought about this and how much misery has gone through this widow because her son is dead there's a sense of no hope at this point in her life and the blood of Jesus has the power when he shows up to speak to that body why? Because of the blood of Jesus. And he says, get up. And that little, I don't know if he's a little boy, he's a young man, he wakes up from that death. He's resurrected. The Bible says that, the, that back on that story where the lady, you know, touches the hem of his garment, he's actually in the process of going to a man's house. His name is Jairus. 
And Jairus is a religious kind of leader in the community and he, he doesn't have any hope, so he goes to Jesus and maybe in other circumstances he wouldn't have, oh, but hey, I gotta, I gotta have help. So Jairus goes to Jesus and says, hey, my, my daughter's sick, can you come? And I, I've heard and, and I, I have faith that you can heal her. But the Bible says in the process of this lady touching the hem of his garment and him looking for who touched me, who touched me, in the process of that, what happened is that after that story, he's continuing on to Jairus' daughter when word comes, too late, she's already dead. Don't bother Jesus. But see, the blood is working. And Jesus goes, oh no, no, no. And he looks at that father and says, don't, don't, don't fear. Just, just don't doubt. And the Bible says that as, as he enters into the house, he puts out all the people that are, you know, laughing, thinking that he's going to do something. Jesus, you can't do He says, I want you to just step out here. And the blood begins to work as Jesus looks at that little girl and says, come out. Come up out of that death. Now, what gave him authority? It's, it's his blood. And the Bible says that that little girl comes up and he gives her back to the parents. But probably one of my favorite stories is the story of Lazarus because here it is, and it says that Jesus is a, a far way off when the word comes that Lazarus is sick. And the Bible says that Jesus says he's only sleeping. Now here's what's amazing to me is the blood has the power to do things in our bodies because Jesus' blood has already received it in His. It's almost like He's already experienced it as our priest, as Hebrews calls Him. And the Bible says that He waits. It's almost unusual. It could be almost considered rude that when word came to Him that Lazarus was sick, that he didn't say, oh, i got to go. But the Bible said that he waited, and when the day that he got to where Bethany, where, where Lazarus was, was four days. And again, I've said this before in other sermons, but the tradition was that the Spirit would come out of the grave and circle the grave for three days. After three days, the Spirit would leave forever. Now again, that's just man's tradition and how that builds up into a tradition. But you can imagine if that tradition is going on, there is no hope. But there's always hope when you got the blood of Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus comes on that scene and the, the, the sisters of Lazarus are going, if you'd only been here. See, they could, their level of faith was only if you would have been here before he died. But now that he's dead, now that it's four days, it's over. But Jesus goes up to that tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth! I love the story. Because the Bible says that he comes out of that grave. His clothing, the, the tomb, uh, the, the uh, body that he was laid into the tomb, they, the, the sisters before he was raised said, he's already stinking. There's already corruption. There's already decay, decomposing, you know, that's happening in that body. He, he's already gone. You, you know what's exciting for me? That the blood of Jesus always remembers. 
And he will remember. We all have loved ones that have died and put their faith in God and they're in the grave right now and there's already decay going on in their body. But there's a day that the Bible says a rapture will take place when Jesus says, come on. And it says those that are in the grave will join us together in the air. And my dad's going to be there. Let me tell you, the people that we just have buried in the last couple of weeks, Margie will be there. Ina May Palmer will be there. Can you imagine the church celebrations that we've had in this church? I mean, there's not too many churches that eat like we do. But boy, on that day, whoo! I'd scream a little bit loud, but I have problems with my mic. So just tell me. The blood remembers. And Jesus, I just have to believe that on that day that all these people that are looking at Lazarus coming forth, they go, that's impossible, that's impossible, that's impossible. And they take off those grave clothes and all of a sudden they say, that's possible. That's possible. I don't know how it's happening, but I can see it with my own eyes. I want you to understand that in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that when Jesus was praying and He says, let this cup pass. Really, Jesus drank the cup of wrath without mercy so we could drink the cup of mercy without wrath. See, everything that was in that cup was, I believe what He was saying was all of our sin. Hatred, lying, bitterness, anger, rape. Every sin that we face was there in that cup. And He was introducing His blood to our sin. What is so amazing is His blood has now created, really if you want to go to the, if you want to use this illustration, a vaccination, an antibody that comes into us and is able to defeat that in our body, in our life. When on the cross, His blood conquers my sickness. It conquers my sin. It even conquers my death and gives me an amazing future. You know, when the Bible says that He's on the cross and, and, and the, the time when the, the soldier stabs Him in the side, it says that blood and water came out. I just have to wonder. The Bible says in, the, in a kind of an unusual verse in Matthew chapter 27, it says that the veil of the temple was torn in two. But it also says that the earth shook and rocks would actually split apart. But here's what's so amazing, that you might not hear it a lot, and you might not have read it a lot, but let me tell you what else happened. It says at that time, and the tombs broke open, and the body of many holy people who had died were raised to life. No, that didn't happen. You know what it says after that? It says, They came out of the tomb after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Have you ever noticed somebody that's witnessed something for themselves? You can't talk them out of it. It didn't happen. Oh, yes, it did. I saw so-and-so. They, they were here. I, I believe that the blood was testing resurrection. Now this is just me. It's just conjecture. But I believe that the blood was testing and, and a resurrection. And one day on a larger scale, the dead in Christ will come out of the tombs, out of the graves. 
because of the blood of Jesus Christ. History tells us that when, when, when they would put a person like Lazarus in the tomb, that they would kind of live almost like mummify him. And a lot of it was that they wanted to do this to, again, keep the smell and different things. That's why, you know, that they would put spices and try to make it not as unpleasant. But the body, the, the clothing that they would wrap up the dead person in, it would be hard as a rock within three hours. Everything would be hard except the, the face, which they would put a napkin loosely on. Just their tradition. When you read about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus came out of the burial clothes that they had wrapped him in. They were all right there, and the napkin was neatly folded and laying right there. So when Peter and John ran to the tomb and they looked in and saw that napkin and realized that he wasn't in those grave clothes, wow! Think about it. He's like, zoop! It's done. The Bible says that after that, Jesus had gone down to hell and set the captives free because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And again, this is just John Miller, but I wonder if when Jesus came into hell's gates and everybody there, all the demons were yelling, He can't come in! And the gates just open up and He comes right in and He looks at Lucy, you know, Lucifer, and He says, I want the keys of death back. And he says, give him here. And Lucifer's yelling, have him stop it, do it, try to stop him. Everything that we do is of no effect on him. It's his blood. Everything that we throw at him, he's conquered. And this morning, if you can't get excited, it's my sermon, I'm going to preach it like I want, okay? The Bible says, he whom the Son is set free is free indeed. And this morning I want to tell you that the keys of death have been taken away because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and me. I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come back. And, and I want to just ask you, right now where you're at, you might be saying, Pastor, I've gone through a lot of stuff in my life. You know, I, I don't even know how to appropriate by faith, listen, the blood of God, the blood of Jesus on my life. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that we will be saved. This morning, do you believe? Because let me tell you, from the history, from all of history, man has tried to say, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to jump through this hoop, you got to do... Let me just tell you, if you believe in your heart, you will be free that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for you. You repent of your sins and say, Jesus, come into my life that the blood of Jesus covers our sins. He heals us of our sickness. He rescues us from death. And He gives us an amazing future. This morning, I want, if you would, I'm going to request that song, There Is a River. Because I'm telling you, one of these days when the trump sounds... No grave is going to hold this body down. Amen. Why don't you stand?
We're going to spend just a few minutes in worshiping God and allowing you to respond to the message of hope. That whatever you're going through today, Jesus has already taken that into His body. Some of us need just to be encouraged, almost like vaccinated of understanding that all that nastiness that has been going on in our life, today we can be forgiven. It's a new day. And we're going to go on with Jesus Christ. Let's sing. Confess it out of your mouth, each one of these words.